With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The road trip was uh, was a rough one. You know, every time, you know, we felt like maybe we're getting something going or we're on a little goal, you know, maybe we wouldn't execute, maybe something wouldn't go our way. It wasn't pretty baseball from the, from the beginning. Uh, and we, we need to do more to, to get things going and, and make things happen. Oh, well, that went well for the Twins over the weekend. Mackie and Judd, and we're going to do things a little bit differently today And that by the time many of you listen to this, the trade deadline will have passed, and so we're going to give you we're going to give you sort of a lead-up episode that is is big picture and all-encompassing and talk about the Vikings' big move over the weekend. And then we're going to give you also on the Mackie and Jen podcast feed, we're going to give you a trade deadline special where we react to mostly the Padres making trades and not the Twins. But we'll see what happens. See what happens. Padres are going for it. Good. All in for the Friars. Good. So let's talk about Federated for a second here. Federated Mutual Insurance Company here to help business owners. It helps so much. To have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you as a business owner navigate the challenges, both micro and macro, of running said business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Federated is based in Owatonna. They are one of us, so to speak, and they've been helping business owners since the early 1900s. You can visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated... It's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Oh, God. All right. So just to set the scene here, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff. The plane is hurtling towards the ground. Well, there's two ways to look at this. Number one would be, oh, my God, they just got swept by the Tigers. What is happening? They've fallen to the bottom of the playoff bracket, or are seventh, I guess. They're seventh in the playoff bracket, and now they're third in the division. Uh, the other way to look at it would be, if I told you the Twins were going to start 20 and 15, would you have just taken that, or would you have taken door number two? If I had said before I would take door year, two now. What do you mean now? 20 and 15 is not that, that great. No, I'm no, saying, no. He, he's saying you pre. The, no, you don't get to. Yeah, that, that's not how it works. He's asking if you would have told before you. Before the season. No, 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 no. I'm saying, sorry. I'll rephrase. <laughs> no, I would not. 20 and 15 is not that great. Okay. No, no. I, I would have said 20 and 15, like 20 and 10 or something. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. No, 20 and 15 is yeah. not that great. Uh, Dex, what you? They were 20 and 10 at one point. I know. Um, I probably would have, I probably would have said, okay. I probably would have said okay. I wouldn't have been thrilled about it, but I would have said okay, and yeah. would have been accept would have been accepted. It's like a ninety win pace, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. And I didn't. Close. I would not have expected the White Sox and the Indians to be this close. Hold on a second, though. I wouldn't have. With with 
who they're playing, you just got swept by the Detroit Bleeping Tigers. But like if if you if they were to play the Yankees and top teams, twenty and fifteen is one thing. I'm sorry, getting swept by the Tigers not excusable. It's pretty bad. You're, you're playing. It's pretty bad. You you cannot lose as much as they've lost to the Royals and the Tigers. I I agree with that. Football. So I'm not I agree it. with that. Even even outside of the parameters of breaking a baseball game down like it's football, which is what we do here. Also, we will break down the trade that we know was made. We don't know as of the recording of this uh, episode of Mackie and Jerry whether the Twins will make a trade. We will do a Twins trade deadline special you can also find on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. But the Vikings traded for Yannick Ngakwe, who's one of the better pass rushers in the NFL, and we will have that conversation too. But just to parse apart some of the twin stuff here, what do you guys think is the biggest problem with this team right now besides injuries? Because injuries are obviously playing a huge factor in them not playing their best baseball recently. Same goes for the Yankees. The Yankees are ridiculously hot, and injuries have kind of derailed them too. Absolutely. Um, I I will I will not just give you an area that I think is a concern. I'm going to give you an area, and then I'm going to give you the specific breakdown of a very very frightening group of statistics involving Football. this area. The offense is inexcusably bad, and I know Donaldson's out and Buxton's out. But again, you're facing a team like the Tigers. Okay, you're not facing you're not facing the Yankees. You're not facing great teams. You should. There is no reason why, if you're as good as we thought the Twins were going to be, that you should not be offensively more often than not pounding teams like Kansas City and Detroit. In the seventh through the ninth innings this season, gentlemen. So, and this is going into yesterday, in which this actually probably just went down. Um, The Minnesota Twins, out of 30 big league teams, are 29th in offensive production. They are hitting. So we're talking about the crunch time, right? We're Mm -hmm. talking about the 7th through the ninth. They are hitting 194. They're on base 289. Their slugging is 304. And they have eight home runs in that trio of innings. That, That, my friends, is cause for concern. Yeah, that's not very good. Like, you don't have... Donaldson's going to help. Buxton could help. But that amount of futility across the board in in what is now, for 2020, not that small a sample size, is well, it, really no, bad. It is a small sample size. And this is where I will disagree and correct but it's, you. But it is not in the context of the season. That's what people don't get. 60 games is not a normal right. season. But So let's t- take away the 60 games part, because I get that like I can't. small sample size flukes are going to happen. And that's what's happening here with the offense. The offense is underperforming over a 30-day stretch. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. But the numbers you just read off, you said, I believe the way you phrased it is, it is cause for concern. And the way I would rephrase it is, no, it is cause for the slow start. It is not cause for concern about future performance because this offense collectively is a great offense. Over the long haul. So my question, they are more likely to improve off of this in the next 30 days than they are to continue performing that way. So I actually look at it more optimistic, shockingly, and say they were going to have a stretch like this during even a six-month season. They're having it, and they're getting it out of their system early, and they are much more likely to perform at a high level against in the next 30 days. The, pro- the problem with that thought process is they're having these struggles against teams that they shouldn't be across the board. 
Okay, but should and shouldn't doesn't really apply as much in baseball in small samples. Right, I get but that I your can, angst but I, is that the season. But is I small didn't sample. make up the rules here, which which is which is why I keep saying I'm glad baseball's back. I'm not. I, I guess I do come to your side ultimately because I'm not taking this seriously. So, <laughs> so I come to your side because if because to your point with your theory on baseball, which might be right. If you're going to do that, then you really can't try and have the type of season that baseball is trying to have because it doesn't allow for the proper sample size for correction. Yeah, but but once we get to October, outside of the first the, the first series is a is a joke because it's a three game series. But the <laughs> twins, but the twins have actually but, but stick with me here. The twins have actually put themselves in a position where they would be a wild card team anyways. And so if the season ended today, I think they'd actually be out of the playoffs if, the, if, the, if like a real season ended today. But, but let's say they're a wild card team going into the playoffs. Instead of having a one-game coin flip, they're going to get a three-game series. So, the, so, so they're actually going like, to benefit if the playoffs started sure. today compared to what they would if it was just a coin flip game. But anyway, that's my concern. But here's the thing, okay? Luis Arise, underperforming offensively. Jorge Polanco, underperforming offensively. Eddie Rosario... Uh, I mean, Buxton's hurt and was sort of underperforming offensively. And Donaldson, like the injuries are tough. Mitch Garver was underperforming offensively. Max Kepler's even kind of underperforming offensively. He's only hitting 224 with a 330 on base yeah. percentage. Yes, he is. So, like, more than half of your lineup is underperforming offensively. That straightens itself out in baseball. And I think it's more likely to straighten itself out over the next 30 days than continue all those guys slumping at the same time. The only guy that's really for sure outperforming what he should be doing is Nelson Cruz, just because like the guy's forty years old, and like his bar is high, and he's even exceeding his high bar. Mm-hmm. Miguel Sano is probably doing what you would think. He's hitting two thirty with some home runs, mm-hmm. and 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 wild slumps one way or the other. So you you and I are looking at the same set of evidence and the same set of data, and you're saying, "Oh my God, this is the new reality," and I'm saying. No, this is baseball, and they're more likely than not to straighten this out over the next no, three days. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying that this is legitimate cause to pause and wonder about this, given their opponents, who they're playing, and how they're performing in, against said opponents. I think you summed up my summation of what you're saying. That's, that's oh, where there is. I need a tiebreaker here from Declan, too. That's where, that's where, look, they might be fine. I don't know, but I do know this. Baseball people can't subscribe to what baseball is trying to do in 2020 because what while it's fun, it doesn't allow for, and this is the key, this is why the World Series is not real. It, do, it doesn't allow for a representative season. There, but, but, there is no representative but it, but, season. But it is a representative October. It's the same October with just like more teams in the first round. Okay, so if the Twins so the continue to struggle team, badly, you're just... They're in, they're they're going to make the playoffs. Like there is no. I'm I'm saying right now. Right. There is no chance that they miss the playoffs. Zero chance. So if you guys want to sit here, oh, they lost five games in a row. I don't care. This team is not going to miss the playoffs. They're not the ninth team in the American League. I would hope they're. So once, I would hope they don't. I would hope you're right about that. Once yes. they are in the playoffs, they actually, as a wild card team, if that's how it plays out, they actually have an advantage in that they will play a three game series instead of a one game coin flip. Now, if they win the division, they're getting screwed. Because instead of playing a five-game series, you're playing a three-game series. But what I'm saying is once you get to October, it mm-hmm. is representative. It's not like you're playing one-game flips. Like, you're playing series just like you normally would. Right. So why is October any different than 
any other October. Because once you're in, because that's a great question. Thank Phil. you. Yes, because thank you. That, this is true about basketball, hockey, and baseball in 2020. Everything must be representative of the championship season. So October is, but guess what's not? The entire regular season. Right, but they're two Hockey separate and entities. basketball you treat, are tournaments. But you, you say is, that NHL, the NHL regular season and postseason, you have said for years it's two different entities. It's it's completely different. You should, in, in fact, the regular season it doesn't even matter if you like the teams that go all out, right, but and try and score 115 points as a team. Oh yeah, are the ones that burn themselves out anyway in the postseason. But the key word here is continuous. These are not these are in no way, shape, or form in all three actual continue continuous championship seasons. Hockey and basketball, everyone who, who was hurt came back. You started fresh. It's a tournament. It's a fun tournament. Look, I'm never going to criticize sports for coming back. I'm glad they're back. But I think that we need to call, in all three cases, football I think is a little bit different maybe, but in the three cases of basketball, baseball, and hockey, I think we need to call a spade a spade for 2020 and just agree that, that these aren't representative of the reality of what these leagues are about. But what baseball did, and this is the only thing I will compliment Rob Manfred for, because I, I would have well, done what? it. I'm going to compliment Rob Manfred right now. i got to shut my mic right. off and back. Clean out your your ears, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I would have done it differently than than he's doing it, but, I, but we both agree that an eight-team, or in this case, 16 teams, eight in each league, a 16-team playoff was the right move. Because all of the small sample size flukes you're sort of saying, all right, and you're mostly guarding against like the best teams having. Like the Twins are a great example. The, the Twins are a, are exhibit A for why adding extra playoff teams makes sense and is fair. Because the Twins are one of the best teams on paper going into the season. And then they lose Josh Donaldson, Byron Buxton, and Mitch Garver to injuries. You get guys off to slow starts. And you also have uh, Jake Odorizzi, like your best starting pitcher last year, lost to injury, just like stuff that you would overcome over six months, but that you really couldn't overcome in two months. And baseball said, don't worry. You're not going to have to overcome it to the degree that you would. You're still going to be the seven seed mm-hmm. and you'll have a chance. So baseball has guarded against everything you're laying out for the twin. The twins offense has not clicked yet. It will at some point, but baseball has guarded against that by saying, we know that in baseball, Sometimes an offense doesn't click until like the third month of the season. Well, because there is no third month of the season, we're just going to put you in the playoffs anyways. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And so it's just different. And so Dex, break the tie here. Judd is freaking out. Yep. I am. Well, wait, wait, wait. Cool that's, not, that's that's not. That, no, 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 no. That's not fair. You asked me what I was concerned about, and I told you, I am not freaking out. I think you just you, you sound would, like you're freaking. No, out. No, no. I would freak out in a real season. It's not real but, enough. But, I I don't I I'm on but, the but I'm on the fence. Out, it's more actually more correct to freak out in a non-real season than it is a real season. No, real no, season, no. This I'm just glad it's out. back. This is just cute. This is just cute. This is a window dressing, <laughs> patting fans on the the head and saying we'll give you a little something. Okay, I have one more question before Declan breaks. It's this like down, free okay? drugs, okay. Phil. You've been watching baseball for five decades, or let's say four decades, because you were probably like nine when you remember your first baseball season. Yeah, and baseball. Eight, yeah is not like a flyby sport for you. You engage and you watch baseball on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And you look at Jorge Polanco and his slow start to the season, or you look at, like, I don't know, pick any player that's off to a slow start. And after 40 years, you still look at that after a month and think, boy, that's a huge, boy, 
That guy, that guy is fundamentally different as a player and won't adjust. Oh, that's to, not true. No, you're putting words in my mouth. You're putting words. But in that's my what mouth. this that's argument true. is. Your, no, your argument is no. Th- oh, their, ba- am, their baseline has changed. You have to, you have to make the case for this season across the board based on what you're given, which in the Twins' case is a lot of bad opponents and a very short time to get things right. But, but, and here's where, here's where I'm not freaking out at all. I'm on the fence if I would trade any prospect at all that I liked right now because I don't take it seriously. Because I don't think that you can have a year in, in which you can have um, your whole team go on a 10-day trip, I believe, and be quarantined, and they play like crap, and you're like, oh, I'm shocked by that. That's what I'm saying. I, I am freaking out less than ever because of the circumstances that have been presented to me by baseball Make me say, I'll watch the games. It's fun. I'll break them down. In fact, I will break them down like football. What if I told you? But am I? But am I going to? A year ago, I sat in this very chair, and I think you did too. And we both criticized the Twins at the deadline for not being far more proactive yep. to add pitching. I, will, I stand I will, by that. I will criticize them at the trade deadline. I don't in our trade deadline special I, if they don't make a trade today. If they don't make a trade. Maybe, but if they don't trade a top prospect, and a year ago, by the way, I said I would trade a top prospect for pitching. I don't think I will. I, I don't. I don't think that I can take this seriously enough to mortgage either future assets for my team and or for trade in 2021. Yeah. I don't think I can do that. So I. So Zolgadian wise, I'm probably panicking less than ever. I'm just telling you what the problem is. I'm the plumber. I'm the plumber. Mental gymnastics happening here. I'm the plumber here. I'm coming to your house. If I go home and your pipes burst, I don't really care. Okay, one more question, then I'll shut up so Dex can play right for you. I'm sorry. I keep doing this. It's my fault. It's my fault. I like to apologize. How would you feel if if this were a 162 game season and the Twins were say a 93 win team? How would you feel about? Someone said, "Hey, this is, a, this is a, 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 it's a ninety, it's a ninety-three sure. win team." If they went, are, are they still going through a bad uh, stretch against crappy teams? Sure, I mean they probably would. Yeah, then I'd break it down accurately. Then I talk about it accurately. Then I would say the fact that from but you're paint, but you're painting it as if this bad stretch means that they aren't a like good team. Oh no 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 I'm not no I'm not. You asked me my cause for concern. I told you I have no idea. I think they are a good team. And I think within the confines of a conversation in which we're talking about a season that I truly care about, they are a good team. Here's the bottom line for me, guys. And again, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm glad sports is back. I love it. Okay. I watch sports all weekend. I can't tell you that I really care. You don't really care that they're off to a bad start? You don't really care that they're playing? Like, what do you mean? But they're not off to to a a bad bad start. start. I bring up the number 93 because 20 and 15 is a 93-win baseball team. You asked me what was concerning to me. I told you, but I can't tell you how much I truly care. It's a 93-win team here. It's a 93 yeah, no, but Phil, I'm not arguing with you. That's coming off of a bad stretch, by the way. You did They've ask me. You asked me what concerned me, and then I also said the quality of the opponents that you're losing to would concern me. Now ask me deep down in my heart. How much stock I put in it? Not a lot. <laughs> okay, Declan, go ahead. I'll shut up. I'm not panicking over this start. I'm not panicking over the losing streak. Yes, it's an, it's 
it's sad and it's questionable, and I can understand. It's a three-game stretch against Detroit. You're going to have stretches in a 162-game season where you're going to get swept by a bottom feeder. This happens. I also know that everyone's talking about the San Diego Padres right now, right? Even let's take away what they what they're doing at the trade deadline, knowing that they're reportedly getting Mike Clevinger. They're a hot young baseball team. They're playing. They're playing well. They're 21 and 15, so they're one win better right now than the Minnesota Twins. They're one win better. So if all this takes for the Twins is to get off to another solid start, sweep the White Sox, take two out of three, or basically win your next seven out of eight, and you're right back to where you were. Five days ago, and you were 20 and 10 and on top of the American League. Also worth noting, the White Sox have had, like, going into the season, all you could do with the White Sox is say, yeah, they definitely added to their team, and they've got this great core group of young players. And, boy, like, they're going to be competitive this year, but once those guys come around, they're going to be a force. Well, a couple of those guys have come around a lot quicker than people thought. Like, Luis Robert has become a superstar overnight. He's great. And Love Eloy him. Jimenez has become also a superstar in left field for them. Absolutely. Quicker than people thought. Absolutely. Now I get it again, like, it's a, it's a short season. Over 162, maybe that flattens out. Those guys are also just, like, destined to be stars, and they might have arrived earlier. So the White Sox are better now than we thought they would be. Yes. So that's also worth pointing out. But how much fun is that potentially, too? I can't wait for next year, and I, I hope Cleveland's good too, because if you have the White Sox, the Twins, and Cleveland basically going neck and neck and neck, that's going to be so much fun the, to watch. The hilarious part about Cleveland, though, is like if Cleveland had just the last few years, if they had held on, well, Keuchel's been hurt, so let's, let's throw him out, or not Keuchel, um, Kluber? Uh, Kluber. Corey Kluber. Kluber. They've had Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger. In seasons in which they were winning 90-plus games yes. and, like, ready to compete. And they freaking traded both. And by 90 games this year, I mean, like, 35 or 40 games. But, like, but they're, they keep, like they're tied for first. But they, they just traded Mike Clevenger. Explain this to me. If you're, Bieber. It's amazing. I mean, Like, they keep finding these guys, developing the... And good for them. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Cleveland fan, though, how frustrating is it that you're sitting on the top of the standings or close to it two years in a row and you trade your best starting pitcher? Or, in this case, probably their second best starting pitcher. Hey. But... Here we are. What's up, Dex? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it too frustrating for them because they've just been able to grow pitchers out of the wazoo. I mean, they, they call up some kid from their first round pick here two weeks ago and he strikes out 10 in his major league debut. Yeah, I, I, so I don't, I think we are so starved for one of those guys yeah. that Cleveland just literally pumps him out in and out that it's hard to, it's hard to really be mad at them. If I was Cleveland, I would feel really good. And if your outfield wasn't playing at a single A level, you could be one of the best teams in baseball right now. Somebody tweeted at me last week. I don't know what the, I can't remember if I had said something, but something about like Cleveland's pitching is ridiculous or something. And someone tweeted at me like, Cleveland is a pitching factory. The Twins need to hire someone from their system <laughs> and like implement what the Indians are doing. Okay. It's like, uh, yeah, they, they did that three years that ago. That was done. And, and it's working for the Twins in some respects, but not on the level that it's working for Cleveland. Like, and you just stumble upon guys. You stumble on Mike Clevenger by trading a reliever, Vinny Pestiano, like six years ago. That but was a straight up do, trade for Mike Clevenger. Do they stumble or do they or do, do they see something that other teams and people don't see? But uh, I think that argument can be made for the Twins. Bauer, like they, they, Bauer they, as yeah. well. It's not an accident. Yeah. Well, Kluber's Bauer the came ultimate from example. The D backs, right? Uh, yeah, well, Bauer was like a first-round pick. Bauer was legit. Right. And, yeah, Bauer was a but legit prospect. But I'm saying they, they got him packaged in a trade as well. Kluber's, My point Kluber's being, the one they dusted off from like double five-year at double-A like in San Diego. Diego. And like, yep, that guy's a star. My point, though, is, is that they have something honed here where they've got a secret sauce that works. Mm-hmm. 
Give him credit. But anyway, you asked me what I was worried about. I'm telling you, man, can't tell you I'm getting all that worked up about this. Now, Jake DePew, our friend, that's another story. I had to block him on text yesterday. Thanks. I didn't actually block him, but I, I, do, it on do. Our, I do it on our group chat all the time, too. I'd sit and mute. He complained about it, it, too. He's like, <laughs> Phil won't respond. <laughs> Phil, Phil's not responding. He said, I think no. Phil's busy, dude. I'm not quite sure. I'm busy watching Cobra Kai. Sorry. Yes, same. Not sweating the twins losing same. some bad games. So you should. It's fun to watch. But this is what happens in baseball. just gets magnified over 60 games. Well, um, reminder on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, a full trade deadline breakdown and special where we will dive into what actually happened or didn't happen. Um, so, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, also a purple daily podcast. You can find a full breakdown of the trade that happened on the other side of downtown Minneapolis. Uh, Yannick, uh, I'm going to butcher this on a regular basis. Yannick Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe. It's good. And we're going to get the lowdown on Yannick Ngakwe as a top 15 ish pass rusher. And what went wrong with the Jaguars that allowed him to be a Viking today. When we catch up with ESPN.com Jaguars reporter uh, Mike Danaco, is that how it's pronounced? Dur- Durac. I think it's Duraco. Okay. I think there's R. Ngakwe, I think I call him. No, Ngakwe. We're, we're talking. Just call him Ngakwe. <laughs> Mike Ngakwe. Mike uh, Duraco. The Clan Goff, Philippe Mackey, and Jude Zolgad right here. We're all just butchering names. Mike right. De Niro from ESPN. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Mike Duraco from ESPN.com. Football. All right, let's uh, let's dive into. So we've been speculating about what the Twins may do at the trade deadline. Well, we know that the Vikings did something uh, as we sit here two weeks before the regular season. They swing one of their usual splash trades. They've done this either whether it's free agents or trades. They're just like they're known to do this once every couple of years. They trade a second round pick and a conditional fifth to Jacksonville for, according to people who know edge rushers better than myself and Pro Football Focus, one of the top probably fifteen edge rushers. In the NFL, Unique Ngakwe, 25 years old, one year left here on his contract, and then the Vikings can either franchise him or long-term contract extension. But Mike DiRocco is the Jaguars reporter for ESPN.com, and uh, and he joins us here on Mackie and Judd. Thank you for joining us. This is also a day where Leonard Fournette was cut by the Jags, so you have nothing going on in your life today. <laughs> no, it's just a lazy Monday, man. I love these. <laughs> so tell us you know, what... What do Vikings fans need to know about Ngakwe? What is his what is his upside, and and what are the most important things for fans to know about him? Well, uh, unlike the public perception of him because of his unhappiness here in Jacksonville and the way he sort of handled it on social media, he's a really good locker room guy, and he is one of those guys that is going to give you know the cliche one hundred and ten percent. But you can say this: the Jags never had an issue with how hard that guy works and how hard he practices, and the amount of effort that he gives. I mean, last year, the beginning of the year, he had a hamstring tweak, um, and he could have sat out a game or two, but he decided to go and play anyway. So they're going to get a high-motor guy, and, you know, he's not great against the run. He's not terrible. He's gotten better. But, I mean, man, he is quick off the ball, and he's going to give you a guy that creates turnovers, too. He's got 14 forced fumbles in four years to go along with the 37-and-a-half sacks. So uh, I want to say that the Jags have scored 12 defensive touchdowns since he came into the league, and he's been responsible for five of them, whether himself or or knocking a ball away that someone else has picked up and taken back. What transpired there then to to get to get to to the point where such a uh, impact player grew so unhappy there that he what turned down 17 mil 
no state taxes to come here for 12 <laughs> mil. And by the way, Mike, pay state taxes. Yeah, well, it, the Jags really wanted to sign him to a long-term deal. So back in, two, and I'm trying to get the, the years right here, back in 2000, July of 2019, um, you know, they started some negotiations and Tom Coughlin was still with the Jags then. So the offer was a little bit lower than Gakwe wanted. He was wanting something 20, 20 plus a year. Um, you know, and the deal the Jags gave him would have been worth up to maybe 19 a year with some incentives and stuff. And the negotiation started, they went for several weeks and then Tom Coughlin abruptly cut it off, uh, and said that we're not going to negotiate anymore. So that started the hard feelings right there. And, you know, it just kind of lingered and lingered and Gakwe showed up, went to work, played hard, um, played through, like I said, a hamstring injury. And then when the season was over, you know, he hadn't really had any subsequent contract talks with the Jaguars and, you know, decided at this point, you know what, I've been disrespected. They haven't really honored um, the contribution that I've given them. So I, I want out. And then it just became an avalanche of, of posts on social media. And at one point he ripped into the owner's son, Tony Khan's son is a VP involved with analytics with the team. So they got into it on Twitter back and forth, which is never a good thing. Uh, the GM, Dave Caldwell, did not have a good relationship with Unique Ngakwe's agent at the time. And that didn't help. Uh, you know, they put him on the trade block, but nobody bit, you know, around the draft. The, the Jags wanted at least one first round pick and some other stuff for him. And nobody was willing to give it to him. So, you know, by the time we get to the point in July when the deadline for the long term deal goes by and you can only play for the one year uh, deal on the tag, um, you know, the Jags lost a lot of leverage there. So, you know, they get the, the second round pick and like you said, the conditional fifth um, and he's happy. Um, the Jags, I guess, are happy. Uh, you know, I mean, they've got a first round pick. They now have four, excuse me, a second round pick. They have four picks in the first two rounds next year. But, um, you know, Ngakwe just, uh, it just was a relationship. I thought once Coughlin was fired that Dave Caldwell would be able to mend and repair that relationship, but it just didn't work. Justin Moore. And so, Mike, you bring up uh, you bring up the 14 forced fumbles, and so you know some of the statistics: the 42 tackles for losses, and the the, the 37 and a half sacks. Uh, Pro Football Focus also has something called pass rushing productivity, which is essentially a pass rushing efficiency number. And and last year, just for various reasons, he was more like 30th. But 2018, he was 12th, and in mm-hmm. 2017, he was seventh. And so by, by those measurements, you know, and, and it's not like we've watched him on a game-by-game basis, but you can make a strong case that when he's healthy and he's right, there aren't that many guys, maybe maybe eight to ten guys you could say are better than him at getting after quarterbacks. Does, do, do those numbers back up what you have seen when he's healthy and what he's at his best? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and let's be honest, too, though. I mean, he did benefit from Calais Campbell on the other side at mm-hmm. times. But, you know, he's an effort guy in addition to speed rusher, and he's not going to give up on a play. And a lot of those, like I said, a lot of those sacks where he ended up stripping the ball away, you go back and look, he's had to fight through um, some double teams at times, and he's managed to do it. So, you know, he, he's a high motor, high effort guy, and he's a little bit high strung, but not in a bad way, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So he, when he's healthy, he, you know, he's – He's their well. He's their best defensive player now. He would have been the Jags' best defensive player, even though Josh Allen's coming off ten and a half sacks as a rookie. Uh, Ngakwe was still by far their best defensive player, and when he's healthy, he can wreak havoc off wreak havoc off the edge. Are the 
issues against the run in your mind something that are here to stay or at 25 are they sort of uh, coachable to improve upon do you think uh, he's not the biggest guy you know he's in that 245 to 250 55 range so he's not real big um so that's an issue but he has worked hard to get better against the run he certainly is better than he was as a rookie um and even as as his second year but i mean he's not you know, the Jaguars drafted Caleb on chase on out of LSU as his eventual replacement. And that kid's like 265, you know, and he's a big, thick kid. Ngakwe looks really more like a, a maybe a small forward in the NFL, in the NBA. I mean, he's a little bit wiry, but he's a real strong kid. But you know how it is with the bulk. Sometimes, you know, guys just get moved around because they're a little bit smaller. And, and I think that's the issue mainly with him. It's not an effort issue, but it's more of a he just doesn't have the bulk. He's one of those guys too that, as the season goes on, you know, you have it's hard to maintain that weight. I wish that were that way for sports writers as the season goes on. <laughs> Amen, awesome. Mike. Uh, um, but uh, I mean, he he has to work to maintain the weight, but he's still going to give you a hundred percent effort every snap. There, that won't be an issue at all. All right, I know we only have a, f- a few more minutes left here, and so this is uh, this is a question that probably requires more time than that. But in general, <laughs> what the hell happened to the Jaguars? Ten, ten I knew that's what you were going to ask. This <laughs> poor guy agrees to come on to talk about one player, and you're going to ask him about the entire team. Start with Jalen Ramsey, then let's go to Fournette. Now let's go to Ngakwe and Mark as Brunel. I mean, was, what happened there? Mark Brunel, he was a great quarterback for you. As soon as you said it was going to take a lot of time, I was like, he's going to ask me what happened. Um, I don't like what time's your show in. I really don't think we have enough time. Uh, short answer is they had some culture issues in the locker room, which weren't a problem when you're winning. Everybody, you know, that was a mouthy defense, and there were some big personalities on that defense, and there were some locker room issues. But you're winning, so no one cares. Um, That happened. They got some injuries, uh, especially along the offensive line in 18, um, and that really hurt them. Uh, And then, you know, they started slowly losing guys. Um, Jalen Ramsey became a problem, and the locker room issues intensified. And then you add Tom Coughlin to the mix, who was finding everybody for everything. Um, you know, if you stepped your right foot out of the car first instead of the left, that was a fine. Um, and that created some problems in the locker room, you know, and they missed on some draft picks. Uh, you know, it, it really just all kind of snowballed. Uh, and then you start dumping some of those guys that were the core part of that 2017 defense. There's two guys left from the, the starting unit of that 2017 AFC title game. It's Avery Jones and Miles Jack. And Miles Jack has been sort of a little bit of a disappointment. So, you know, that might've been one of those lightning in a bottle years, because if you go back and you look at the quarterbacks that they beat, you know, they beat guys like uh, Sean Kaiser, maybe Marcus Mariota. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else they beat. I think they beat uh, Jacoby Brissett, maybe Charlie Whitehurst one year. You know, I mean, they weren't really beating a bunch of really good quarterbacks. So that really kind of hurt them a little bit, too. Is it true that um, I, I saw, I believe Marone was quoted today in the Fournette uh, deal in him being let go, Mike, that he said they couldn't even get a sixth round pick for him? Yes. And if that's the case, what does that just sort of say, not about the state of the Jaguars or Fournette, but about the state of that position as a whole right now? Because that to me is really intriguing. Right. Well, honestly, I think it's more about Fournette and the Jags than than anything else. And, and here's the thing. Fournette's had his issues. Some of them have been public. You know, he fought against the Bills and got suspended uh, that same year. You know, he had a hamstring injury. There was some concern in the building that he was 
not attacking the rehab as quick as he should have. Um, you know, it got out around the league that he was a guy that missed some meetings, was late in some meetings, wasn't paying attention in meetings, got fined a bunch of times for this. Um, he and Jalen Ramsey were part of that locker room that was a little bit um, out of control at times there. So when you let that stuff be known throughout the league and then you throw a guy up as trade bait, well, what team in their right mind is going to want to risk anything on that? You know, it just doesn't make sense. If you're a GM, why would you trade a third round pick for a guy that all you've heard for the past two years or three years is that he may is he's a potential problem. So I think that's partly more on the Jags and Fournette. Um, although for everything that I've heard, Fournette's been really, really uh, good this year. There's been no issues, no problems. And he showed up the camp looking really good. Um, but when when all that stuff's out there and you try and trade them, you can't be surprised when nobody wants to give you anything. Yep. Uh, hey, Mike, thank you so much for your time and your insight. We really appreciate it. Great stuff, sir. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, right. guys. That is ESPN.com Jaguars reporter Mike Duraco. And let's let's keep it right here, gentlemen, as we say goodbye to Mike, because there's some things to unpack when it comes to uh, Unique Ngakwe. I think, you know, anytime you have a divorce like you just saw in Jacksonville, you think, all right, is he a problem everywhere or was it just a problem with the old uh, the old partner in Jacksonville. And it sounds like he was a great locker room guy and he just didn't want to play for a bad organization. And there are much there are much better organizations and cities to play in than Jacksonville, Florida. And so I cannot really blame him for that. Mm-hmm. And so I think if there was any question about like is he are they just gonna get a guy who's gonna be here and then he's gonna get sour on the Vikings. The Vikings A um do their homework on players and B Oftentimes, they bring players in that maybe have had some trouble in different areas, and even like Dalvin Cook coming out of college, and they don't seem to be problems here. The Vikings have built a good locker room culture, and so I think anything to do with is he going to be a problem because he was you know, a pain in the ass right. actually in Jacksonville can be flushed out. I think if you go to uh, play for the Patriots and you become disgruntled, something's wrong with you, right? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. I think we could probably pick right now five... NFL teams very easily say, I'm not going to be surprised if a guy gets um, upset there, right? Jacksonville, Doug Marone, when Coughlin, you know, I mean, Coughlin, so, so Coughlin almost got fired by the Giants because he was, he pushed his players so hard. And then he changed his act, and I believe they won a Super Bowl or two. Um, and then he got the executive job in Jacksonville, and it sounds like he went to being a jackass. <laughs> went back to being that. Yeah. And so players, you know, I mean, this is the, the one thing. I don't think that Zimmer is perfect, and and I do think that there's probably times he pushes too hard, but I also think as a coach, he largely gets it, and especially on defense, and so I think a guy like Ngakwe will probably be a perfect fit here, and and keep in mind, too, I think there's no debating the fact that he's going to step in and play a position that the head coach deems to be probably one of the most important on the field, period, offense as well. Yep. Hey, um, before we get into some random season recall action here, you and I were kind of kicking this around via text, just like how often the Vikings make splash moves like this. Where does this one in your mind fall of of everything you've seen the Vikings do in like the last 15 or 20 years, whether it's big time free agents like Brett Favre or a big time trade like a Jared Allen? Where does this fall on that meter? Hmm. So I, I give the Wilfs a lot of credit because they bought this team in 2005 and then basically starting with that free agent class of 2006 when Childress got the job, which was what? Longwell, Chester Taylor, Hutchinson, Lieber, I believe. The Vikings have been willing to go out and make moves and make splash moves. 
I, I would say right now that this one falls obviously behind Brett Favre because the, the rest of the world is going to fall behind Brett Favre. Uh, it probably falls behind quarterback ones, so it probably falls behind for right now for sure Cousins because that contract is was huge. Hutchinson was a sneaky but great move that that essentially give, gave you a Hall of Fame guard. Here's where I'm going to put it very close to, and it might be ultimately behind it or it might be right around the same. Allen, the Jared Allen trade in this are identical. Now, in Jared's case, he got traded here and had the ability to immediately work out a long-term contract extension, Phil. But when you think about unhappy player, question marks about personality, right? There's the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Comes here, and I fully expect that Ngakwe is going to be a good guy. So I think it falls very much in line with, and and Vikings fans for Phil the last 15 years have been very spoiled by this. Pass rushing ends. But do you remember, what, circa 2000 to 2005? Yeah, there was nothing. Do you remember Kanetcha, Udeza, <laughs> and Erasmus James, and situational rusher Lance Johnstone's going to save the day? And how long this team was trying to find right ends until the Jared trade? Mm-hmm. Even Ray Don't, Edwards was kind of a bust. He, he was there but with Jared. But he was Jared a base end more. But my, but my point is, my point is, don't fail to appreciate the magnitude of going out and getting a player at a position that can be hard to fill. Like you, yeah. you should not assume that that right end on your team is always going to be able to consistently pressure uh, quarterbacks. But the Vikings have done a very good job basically starting, so 2008, starting with Jared, of having a guy year after year at that right end who's atop the depth chart who gets consistent pressure and is damn good at doing it. Yeah, I mean, on paper, I I don't think they've had the only other tandem that they've had that might rival this one on paper is Everson Griffin circa like 2000. Well, 17 and 19 were his better years than 18. And Daniel Hunter didn't really emerge until 18 as like a, an every down guy. So mm-hmm. maybe like some Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter overlap last year. But this is this is projected to be better than that because these two guys are 25, 26 years old in their prime. Jared Allen never had anyone opposite of him that was putting up the pressures that either one of these guys did. And um, I'm trying to think back to the 90s, like, John Randall slid to but the left, inside. But left ends didn't do it then. Like, Daniil brings a skill set to his spot that for years and years we never even expected. That that guy, the left end used to be, can he stop the run and play the base defense well? And if he gets a sack or five, that's awesome. But we are now to a new age where you're basically trying to bring uh, consistent pressure, if possible, on quarterbacks from both ends. So I, I don't even know that it's fair to try and compare what the Vikings are doing now because I don't think until about the last five or so years that we've even gone down this path of of your left end is probably as good or at times better than your right end who consistently rushes from yeah. the blind side of a right-handed quarterback. Yep. So if you want, we did a full 40-minute breakdown of this and an emergency episode. So if, you, if you're looking for unique Ngakwe breakdowns, we've got you covered on the Purple Daily podcast in addition to Mackie and Judd here, and also YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. We have, uh, we've made that official as a YouTube channel. Um, I'm excited for our Twins trade deadline special because it seems like everyone, like there's more moves coming across here 
<laughs> Mike Clevenger to the Padres, Mike Miner to the A's. Like, man, did his value plummet? Who, Mike Miner? Yes, a year ago, he was the hottest commodity, and the Rangers he didn't was. trade him. He was. Um, ooh, here's one. Oh, this is great. Twins have emerged as the front runner to acquire Dylan Bundy. Is that a That's fake good. Morosi account? Check your source on that because oh, I saw the same one. Yeah, blue check mark. Got a blue check mark. Uh, looks like. It's oh, I, I almost retweeted this one fake. last night. If it's the fake Morosi, it's got to be careful. It, it's John Morosi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I almost got uh, fooled by that uh, one. Seth Stowe's got me. He retweeted. No, I hate. There's nothing worse than when you get done not by the fake account, but by a good account that retweets a fake account. This is, this is and the I'm guilty. I've been guilty of that. So I set up. So I'm going to get nerdy here. I have TweetDeck, which is like. Twitter like purchased right. TweetDeck as an application where you can set different columns up for feeds and stuff. So I've got like all the people I follow in one feed, and then I've got like you do a good job with this. I'll give Major you League for that. Baseball, NFL, and Wolves reporters in all the other feeds. So if news comes across, it will come across in one of those league feeds. And so where I get tricked is like in my regular feed. If someone like Seth right here somehow like you know gets a hold I've- of a Jam Morosi account. It doesn't show up in my Major oh, yeah. League Baseball feed. Oh, a, lot, a lot of people got done by this one. Although I will say. I'm seeing tweets about it. If the Twins were to land Dylan Bundy, fourth uh, fourth overall pick from like seven years ago, and the, and the Orioles butcher pitching prospects. They just butcher them. Uh, I think it's a year and a half left of team control. They could do worse than a former number four overall pick who's having his breakout season this year. I agree. I would, I'd, be, I'd take a flyer on I'd so, take more than a flyer on Bundy? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, we'll, we'll do that with our trade deadline special on the Mackie and Judge V. Should we just go right into random season recall Let's here, boys? Let's do it. This is where Declan picks out random Minnesota sports seasons and then quizzes Judd and I on the intricate details. I feel like it's going to be a Wolves season. No. It's okay. MLB trade deadline day, so it's the 2005 Minnesota Twins is what we're rolling oh with here in random season God. recall. I love it. Did love they make it a good Sorry. Oh, I... About it. I know who they traded for. About to say. It's in my notes. Brett Boone. Yes. <laughs> one for one. Do you remember how bad that was? He had a seeing eye single to right field after like his first 12 at bats, and the crowd just went crazy. Like, oh my God, he got a hit. This is great. He we were. So get cooked. him back on steroids. I was at my local baseball field playing playing baseball after the season ended, and we were. My, my brother had like an old flip phone, and we were like dialing 411 and other information to try to figure out if we got Brett Boone, because that was what technology was trying to give us in 2005. 411? Right, yeah. It was like for news updates, I think, or something. I, right. I think it was. I don't know. Uh, I do remember this. Yeah. yeah. I will not look up the season. I just want to look up Brett Boone's statistics here, unless you have another question no, about Brett I Boone's statistics. Thankfully, don't. <laughs> so, Brett Boone had the breakout season in 2001, which is such a classic. I mean, the Twins kind of did this with even like Josh Donaldson and Nelson Cruz, but those guys are still like very good players the year before the Twins picked them up. But Brett Boone, as a 32 year old in Seattle, had 37 bombs and 141 RBIs. He batted 331 and finished third in the MVP. I wonder race. how that all happened. <laughs> I have no, I mean, he must have just oh, been really, really, really good working out that offseason, right? And then uh, by the time the Twins got to him, like, he could barely make contact and was four real, years later. And That's put well, Phil. By the time the Twins got to his lifeless baseball body. His carcass. Released two weeks later. Not great. So not How great. about that? All right. Anyways. So those fun 2005 Twins. Uh, let's go with final record. What was the final record of the Minnesota Twins in 2005? So they the only two seasons in which they, well, they had three seasons uh, during that stretch where they missed the playoffs. 05, 07, and 08, they played a game 163 against the White Sox and got beat. 
05 and 07, they finished like really close to 500. In one of the years, they finished above 500. In the other year, they finished below. Okay. One year, they were, they were, I believe, I don't know why I remember this. One year, I believe they were uh, 79 and 83. Okay. Something like that. And so, what do we have to get within here? Within five? With Sure. Within five. I was going to say three, but we'll go five. I feel good about we'll this. We'll go five. I feel good about this one, Phil. If it's within five, then I'm comfortable taking a stab at 79 and 83. Okay. 83 and 79. Okay. That's fine. But yeah. they're still within, within five. five. Still within, within five, five within the parameters of the right. rules. All right. Spirit of the thing. Give me the, you have to get, make it, maybe get your pens and papers off for this one. Give me the opening day lineup for your oh. 2005 <laughs> Minnesota Twins. Oh, my God. And you, it, yeah, I mean, you could go in order too, but, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's start with the obvious ones. Uh, okay, hold on. First base. Oh, my God. Well, catcher was Joe Maurer. Yes. Yes. That's one. Okay. First base was probably Justin Morneau. That's two. At this juncture. Okay. Okay, so. Can we go Tory Hunter? Yep. Okay. Let's just three. Was Koski at third? I'm, I'm not saying this, Dex. Okay. okay. Was Koski at third in 2005? Oh, my God. Uh, Koski still oh here. I feel like he was in Milwaukee or Toronto by then. Okay. But I don't know for sure. Okay. Let's start with, let's start with a couple other ones here. We know that so Hunter's second base field. was a problem because they signed, they traded for Brett Boone. Well, but Luis Rivas would have been the starting, right? Luis Rivas, second base. That's the guess. Yeah. Yes. Four. Yeah, four so far. All right, now it gets weird. Okay, so we've got shortstop, we got third base, we got DH, and we got two outfield spots to fill. This is probably one of those years where they brought randoms in. This is bef- but this is before Mike Lamb. Mike Lamb was like 07 or 08. So so what what veteran Joe got Creedy. the start on opening day? <laughs> yeah, was this a, was this the Creedy year? No. No, I was like 09. I'll even just spoil it. No. Yeah, no. Tony Batista I think was 06. Because they they started Batista and Castro and then got those guys out. Just awful. Bartlett got called up at short. So would this have been the last Christian Guzman year at short? Because Bartlett was not up yet by this point. I don't think. If he was called up, it was later. I'll go with that, sure. Christian Guzman at short. Uh, I didn't think so. So it was some. It was like some slappy. It was like. Uh, this is such a weird year. Coming off a third straight division title, your 2005 Twins. And so Guzman was gone by this point. Rivas was at second. Was it a bit? Was I don't a, think Jason Bartlett was up by this point, unless they started him just to see, but they went to done that because of service time. They would have waited. Yeah. Very well put. <laughs> so, is this a vet, so is it a veteran? It had to have been. Can Did I just say, was it, can, I, can I confirm that it wasn't Jason Bartlett at shortstop? Or is that wrong? It's wrong. Oh, it was? He was at short. He was your starting shortstop, Jason Bartlett. Okay, hold on. So you have five here, and now you got to fill what corner outfield? We, we have two strikes. Yep, you have corner outfield, third base, third in the third. corner outfield spots. Yeah. Oh my god. And um. Well, Koski is still in. I mean, it's possible. I just don't. Koski left. Oh. Shannon Stewart was probably playing left field. Wait, when when did they trade for Shannon Stewart? Oh three at the deadline. Oh three. Yeah, okay. he was still yeah. playing in oh six. Yeah. Shan Stewart. Yeah. Six. Perfect. Yeah. And then right field was this like your hodgepodge of <laughs> you had like Kadir would have been in this mix somewhere. Was mm. Kadir at third or or right field? He might have been at. 
He would have been third, third at this point. Let's do it. Kadir at third. Yeah. No. Oh, snap. Nice. And then right field was was right field the Dusty Keelmore? Is this a Dusty Keelmore situation? Were you a Dusty uh, Dustin Moore and Bobby Kilty platooning? Wait, Kilty got traded in the store trade, didn't he? You're yes. right. Okay, so he's gone. So, so Dustin Moore would have been gone by this point too. Analytics darling, Bobby Kilty. Lawton was gone. Who the hell played right? This is before Kubel. Need to get the uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music for the background of this. Need to phone a friend. Yeah. Phone Terry Ryan. <laughs> yeah, who'd you put in right field in 2005, Terry? Was it like Buck Buchanan or something? Those great forearms. What was the year Mike Ryan came up? It was, oh, it was like I right have his jersey. Too. I'll wear it the other next. It's something like that. It's like Restovich. <laughs> like it's it's those guys. Oh my god. Stuart Hunter. Oh, Jack Jones. Yeah. Soul Patrol is still intact. All right, we didn't do terrible there. Um, if, bonus points. Can you give me the DH? <laughs> bonus points. Designated hitter. All right. This is before Rondell White. He was 06. Who was the DH before Rondell White? Was it anybody any good? You know who it might have been? Was it Ruben Sierra? Well, let's take a shot. Ruben I don't remember. Sierra. Oh, 2005 is very blurry to me. Lou Ford. Oh, Lou oh Ford. I wouldn't have got that. Lou okay. Ford. Um, All right. I would have guessed him in the outfield before. Even the though he was coming off a Cy Young award, Brad Rackey still got the opening day nod and not yeah, Johan Santana. Of course. Classic that's how we, that, but that's how we do Classic things. But look, Radke was comfortable in that role. Okay? He was comfortable. He was comfortable. <laughs> we kept him comfortable. Actually, he wasn't comfortable till the second inning, statistically. Yes. So. Radke disease. Yep. Uh, who are the other three starting pitchers not named <laughs> Johan Santana and Brad Radke? Who made at least 25 starts. So three pitchers who made at least 25 starts for the Twins in 2005. Holy cow, dude. All right, Judley, this would have been probably a Carlos Silva year. Yes. Just going to throw him out yes, there. Carlos sure. Silva. Yes. Is that a guess? Yep. One. This might have been, that might have been the year Carlos Silva, I think, had like oh, yeah. nine walks issued all year. Yeah. Something ridiculous. I think he set the record. They Is also, a- Nick Punto was on this team. I think Nick Punto made his debut in 2005 as a, yeah, he, yeah. He, Did he, he come in the Silva trade? Yep. It was. <laughs> it wasn't it Eric Milton for. I think they traded Eric Milton for Carlos Silva and Nick Punto. Seven hundred and forty-nine batters he faced that year. Only nine walks. Yeah, Ooh. Carlos Silva. Okay, so I told you it was nine, right? I told yeah. you nine. nine. Very good. So we got Sil- we got Silva, Radke, Silva. Yeah. Johan. <laughs> uh, this is. Who else? Who are the remnants? all due respect? Kenny Rogers. Oh, he was he pitched for the Twins. At one he did, point. but yeah, I think he was gone by this point. Um. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Did Matt Garza? Matt Garza got called up. I don't know if he made that many starts though. Twenty-five. That would have been later. God, oh, Kyle Loesch. Yes. All right. One more. This is good. This is impressive. Good old Kyle Loesch. Loesch, Radke, Johan, I'd Silva. be killing right, right now if this was the 79 Twins. <laughs> 2005, way too you were, boring. You were around for this. I was, but I was, but I can't say I cared nearly as much as I did in 1979 or 80. I'm trying to think of. I was around, but that's all. It feels like, because they, they certainly didn't have, like this is before, I think this is before Baker. This is before, certainly before Slowey. 
So like that next wave of guys, Garza, mm-hmm. Garza. I don't think Garza ever made that many starts for the Twins, and then they traded him. Um, so I'm trying to think of like the old wave would have been Joe Mays, but he wasn't around still in '05. There's no way. Who are some of the other guys from those? Unless it was a veteran of some kind, just some like. I was going to say, did they have another? Rick Reed was gone. Kenny Rogers type because they certainly ran those guys through back then. I right, no hints yet. Just hold on one second. Okay. See the, anything okay. Hit the chime. Hit the chime. Oh my gosh! Like who? This rotation is so bad. Johan Radke. Is it obvious? Is uh, it- I wouldn't say it's obvious. <laughs> I'm surprised this guy was still around. Surprised he was still around. Oh, no. Eric Milton? No, because they traded him for Silva. Can't be Eric Milton. I think they traded him when for did, Silva. When was Reed gone? Oh, 03. There's no way. Because Rick Reed got traded here in 01. He didn't spend that many years here. It's not. There's no way it's Rick Reed. It's okay. not Rick Reed. It's not, not Rick Reed. But I'm surprised this guy was still here. <laughs> I love that hint. Yeah. Surprised this guy was still here. I don't know, man. I Joe Mace. It was Joe. Oh, Mace. Was, he said Joe Mace. You, what? You, well, well, no, I'm giving him Joe Mace. He, I, I moved off. No, man. he moved off. He said he didn't I'm, think Joe Mace was still around. Trying to help you out. Okay. What he said. What was Joe, Joe Mace had to have had just ridiculously bad. Uh, yeah, he was. He had made 31 appearances, 26 starts, five and a half ERA. Did throw a complete game shutout though. You know what? Okay. I got that going. You brought him up. I'm okay. You're gonna give it to him. Good job. No, I, I, I'll, I'll self-report. I moved off Joe Mays. Yeah. I moved off Joe Mays. It's wrong. It's wrong. Okay. Uh, last one here. Uh, six players hit double-digit home runs. Okay. Who were those six players? Morneau. Um, I'm talking to Phil here. Okay. Morneau. Well, we can go on the record yeah. with that one. Morneau. Morneau for sure. Kadir for sure. Hunter. Two. Hunter for sure. Three. Jones for sure. Four. And how many do we need? Two more. You need six total. There's two more left. Double-digit home runs? Double-digit home runs. Did, Ma- did Mauer get up to double-digit? He probably Once did. Once in a while. Once in a while. In the Joe Mauer. Home. Nine. Nine. <laughs> Classic Mauer. Nine. Mauer! You suck, Mauer! You drink wine coolers! Did, um, did Shannon Stewart have uh, any no, pop at that point? A little bit? Okay. I don't know. Did they have someone come off the bench? Who would the other guys have? This is a really punchless lineup. Well, we get three strikes, so Shannon Stewart. Five out of six. You got one more left. I mean, Rivas and Bartlett, there's no way. He, Lou uh, Ford. Uh, I will give you this hint. He was not on the opening day lineup, but this guy hit double-digit home runs. He actually is third on the team in home runs. Third on the team in home runs. Mm-hmm. Don't say Brett Boone. So <laughs> he hit like 20 home runs, but he wasn't on the... Okay, the guys that could have been in the mix would have been... Jason Kubel could have been in the mix for this, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these other slappy outfielders. Uh, you know what? Jason Kubel. Okay, we that's three strikes. Oh, was it third? I thought I that was it, a second. Was it? That was only a second strike. Oh, we'll take another it, yeah. one. Yeah, no, I I didn't see it. I'm uh, I got my own. All right, Jerry. All right, Jerry Meals. Yep, Jerry, I got my we'll, Jerry Meals goggles we'll, we'll on. We'll take another yeah. one here. Yeah, one more hack. Nice one more job. hack. Nice Who would job, have been? Because it, it had to have been twenty. But like, Morno hit. Morno had a down year in 05, but he for sure hit 20 home runs. I'm pretty he had, sure he hit 20. He had 22. Yep. Okay. And Torrey Hunter always hits 20 home runs. This, and yeah, this was. He hit double digit, but he broke his ankle that year. Oh. Did they quite, but he still hit double digit. Oh, that, that's the game at uh, Fenway where he was chasing yeah. the ball 
to did, center field. Or um, he had 14, but he only played 90 games. Okay. 20. Hold on a second. So did they... So was this someone they called up who wasn't on the opening day roster? Or was it like a trade? I mean, <laughs> who would they all... Oh, yeah, if Brett Boone was their big acquisition. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If, they, if Brett Boone was the biggest acquisition they made, it's got to be somebody they probably called up. Was he hurt this that's why the Kubel would have made sense. I'm just thinking of other guys. that And, and, and Declan's insinuated this person didn't just get to 10 home runs, that they were like between yeah, 15 and 20 on the or team. more. Yeah. So they hit a considerable amount of home runs. Who's the... Oh. Okay. Was it Brian Buchanan? Brian Buchanan. Oh. Matt Lee Croy. Matt Lee Croy. Oh. You forgot your boy Matt Lee Croy. 17 home runs. I wouldn't Man, say I forgot. That was a, no, that's good. I wouldn't say we forgot him, Doc. Gutting edition of random season recall. Right. Oh, man. Wow. That was Ouch, tough. boys. That was what? Tough. Phil carried us. That was tough. 2005. All, all a blur. Oh. Except right. for the Vikings. I, I can tell you all about them. Declan got the better of us on that one. Random season recall every Monday. I'm Mackie <laughs> Way to and go, Judd. Declan. Thanks, buddy. And uh, all right, we got to go take a quick Good little stuff. little alcohol break, and then uh, we'll go. <laughs> we'll we'll be back at the table for a Mackie and Judd trade deadline. You're threatening trade line special. takes. Well, I feel like half the league has been traded so far today. Well, you can't make trades in a sprint season. I don't know. The Padres just traded. The Padres made five trades I'm in the piece. last seventy-two I'm at hours. Peace with whatever happens. So we'll we'll break it all down. Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.